The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to the old space show. I'm Brandon, man. This is Jim. Hello, I'm Jim. <laughs> this is the this installment of Old Space Show follows our continued episode by episode travelogue through the first season of Space 1999, where the moon is knocked out of orbit, wandering the far reaches of space population of its human-built colony hoping to stumble upon a new home. The ragtag fugitive fleet. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's the wrong show. Maybe some other time. That's a different (laughs) old space show. My bad. So many old space shows. (laughs) Today we are talking about the 13th episode, Collision Course. This episode. Nukes. This episode. Meteors. This episode. Strange women with black veils. This episode. Buttons to push. This episode. Or not to push. A reminder, we're going through these episodes in the fan-preferred production order, not the broadcast order as found on streaming services. And I just want to thank everybody who's been streaming in and keeping up with us on this Thanksgiving Day, Turkey Day, Old Space Show Marathon. It's been a lot of fun. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you've gotten your fill of Old Space Show as we get through it. But sincerely, thank you for me and Jim. So, this is Collision Course, written by Anthony Terpeloff, who wrote for The Avengers, Ironside, and The Alfred Hitchcock Hour. So you notice a lot of common ground with these ITV BBC guys writing for, they just get tossed around like, hey, can you, uh, after you get done writing this uh, Space 1999, you walk over to Ironside, give them a, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, they kind of float around, but it's it's neat to me to see it in such a like industrial way of just like working on yeah, it's shows. Yeah, definitely more workmanlike than it is now. Like it feels like after, like in America, if you're writing, if you're writing a, uh, Lost. You're writing Lost. You're not writing right <laughs> for 24 or something like that. Um, or it's not like when you got done with one, you would just pop off and do Law and Order or pop off there and do the right. practice or something different, you know? Right. This one, uh, we find an asteroid. Um, well, it starts off with them nuking an asteroid. Nuking, yes. Which yeah. uh, brings me to the question, how many nukes do these people have? This is like their first answer for everything. Just nuke it. That's how they got in this problem to begin with, okay? That is what knocked the moon out of its orbit and sent them on this, this you know, collision course oh, oh, off into space, you know? Why would they? I don't know. It just it seemed like a bad move. It got you to a title <laughs> drop, so hey. 
We also get another one of these moments here where the the logistics of what they're doing is supposed to be really, really tense, but really has no tension at all. Right. Which seems to happen quite like, we need another 40 seconds. We need to give Alan two minutes to get back. Okay, give him another 45 seconds. And there's another guy in like an <laughs> eagle that's driving that his mustache truly makes it feel like space 1975, not space oh, 1999. Yeah. That thing is... Oh, man. Um, I expect him to start uh, making a porn movie any minute now with that mustache. Right. That was crazy. <laughs> They're basically, they want to destroy the asteroid to avoid a collision with it. Oh, Alan's mechanism is jammed. First, Koenig is like, don't worry about perfection. Just get in and get out. Yeah, and I, I thought at this point when I'm on it, I'm like, what happens when all, they exhaust all their nukes and like another asteroid comes along? Like, maybe we should start thinking of alternative, like, but... Maybe we don't have to blow up every asteroid. I mean, you know, you can right. let them go by. You know, yeah. same. Maybe but take the hit. You're the mechanism moon? is jammed. Right? Yeah, he gets jam- his safety belt gets jammed or whatever. And he makes something blow up. Right? Yeah. So we can get out of it. That's right. That's how he works. And they only have they give him 13 more seconds to get out. It's so tense. And then coding face palms, and then they go to the credits. Right. And there's this blast that leaves a huge haze, and as Eagle One's missing, right. and then they find oh, there's Alan a big dead. orange oh, planet. Wait, no, there's a big orange planet, and uh, they get Carter, and he starts having visions of this woman in a black hood when he's in the medical. Right, and here's um, again we've got a woman, uh, woman's voice, you know, leading them some mystic uh, quest again. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems to be a recurring right. theme. They so another spaceship goes out and Conan goes to investigate. Like he for a captain, like he doesn't stay on the ship. Like no. if there's a chance to face death. Oh, I'm going. I'm I'm going out there. But sir, that's I'm the second to go. Nope. Yep, you're the first to. Uh, uh, you know, you you're the first to command, sir. We really cannot lose you. Nope. I'm gonna pilot the eagle. Me. Yep. I'm gonna do it, Mister uh, Mister Commander. Those are guy. dangerous. Yeah, they blow up a lot. <laughs> and they a lot of a lot, eagles and a lot of nukes. They have a lot of eagles too, man. That's not a good combination. He's kind of a douchebag about everything, right? About getting because they're like, no, we don't want you to go in there. There's scary radiation, blah blah blah. Yes. Like, no, I'm going to go save Alan. God damn it, he's my boy. Right. So he gets up in the eagle, and he has no visibility, no sensors, no contact at all. And this is when Alan is hearing those lady voices. Yes. Head, after his head injury. <laughs> and then he hears the rescue party. And Koenig is so happy that Alan is, oh, my God. He loves Alan, evidently, because, damn, he's just over. He's happier than when he found out Helena was alive. The one right. Time he started, you know, like, that's my boy there, man. He must be okay. Yeah. So. But they, um, there's another ship out there, too. Right, and it swallows up. Well, first mm-hmm. of all, they have a scene where the little eagle gets on top of the big eagle. Yeah. And I wrote I wrote in my notes, when a mommy eagle and a daddy eagle love each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because they dock. They dock the two eagles together, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're swallowed by an alien ship, and boom, there's a giant planet they've never seen before. Right. It's all and, of a sudden. And then Kona gets on this, he winds up on this other ship, and it's dark, and he's walking around, and he's got his blaster out. And I finally realized, I'm like, the blaster shape kind of looks like those staple gun things. Not yeah. like, boom, boom, but like one of those, like, mm-hmm. he's on, like, boxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what it was reminding me of. Um, it was like it finally clicked. And he finds this woman in black 
or the woman in black appears in this place, and it's got a really cool design. I don't know if it makes sense, but I like it. It reminds me of old like Avengers episodes. They would go into these little like dungeon yeah. places like this, and um, I, I really, really it reminded really me very cool. much of the comic book character Madam Web. Yeah, from well. Spider Man. I mean, very much like the kind of mystic thing going on. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, like when Conan Koenig's talking to this old lady, you know, and having a good time, mm-hmm. Vic's ready to nuke the hell out of everything. Oh yeah, they want to. They want to like, nuke-, nuke it. I want to nuke this planet. Get it out of the way. I want to nuke, nuke. And uh, like, what about Koenig? What about Ellen? You know, f them. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna nuke it. <laughs> yeah, the, back on the sh- yeah, their plan is to set a bunch of nukes off between the planet and the moon so that they hopefully push and go different directions with right. the, the blast. And man, the visuals of those nukes like hanging out there to that planet are really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's um, cool. But so this white haired woman, she's some sort of like, she's got this Oracle like personality. Her name's yeah. Ara. Uh, she's been waiting on Koenig for millions of years. And uh, yes. the, yeah, the moon explosion off orbit was a preordained thing that was supposed to happen. And then he, Koenig of course, like wants to know his place in the universe uh, but she's like wishy washy. Says a lot of stuff. Oh, about oh, oh, purpose I, 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 and destiny. I, I go to shape the future of eternity, <laughs> and I need your help. <laughs> yes, and it is a uh, sure. She he talks about destiny things, and but also how small they are, and they don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. She gets. She says that like this event and stuff matters, but ultimately they don't. She kind of talks both so she waited things. millions of years for Kenya to come there for something mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter yeah that makes sense yeah also that their their quests will reach the deepest ends of space like the the moon they're going to continue they're going to find the deepest reaches of space um uh, and her but her people they're like at the end of their cycle and they're going to after this happens they're going to mutate into one another in a more spiritual form like they're right they're going to like evolve to energy beings or something and i'm like here we go 2001 again. a space odyssey again again like this show lives and breathes off of like what they had the writers room like okay you saw 2001 right and they're like yeah yeah what did you think about it what what was your interpretation <laughs> and the guy says something and he's like Go make that an episode. Write that you, down. You, mm-hmm. what is Write yours? Well, I actually thought that go write an episode. You, and that's that's what this show feels like a lot. Yeah, it does. It, it really like wears that kind of influence on its sleeve in a lot of ways. Yeah, Conan. So, yeah, so Conan like needs to stop the nukes. Like this is the first time anybody's been anti-nuke in the show. Like he's right, everybody cool. else loves the nukes, and everybody on Moonbase is like, you know, no, we're wanting to nuke it. And Kanig's like, no, you can't nuke it, and they're all like, you're nuts. Well, they were like, I'll lock you well, up. At first, they're like, okay, okay, well, sure, and then they meet on on the side, and they're like, we're just playing around. We're gonna do it. Right, right. They're like, he's 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 a wacko. He's because they think he's got radiation sickness. Right. And the crew humors K- uh, Koenig. Uh, and, uh, but they need to collide and there's a really cool, um, oh, that's where they showed the model work. Um, but Koenig and Carter, they dress like space karate instructors. Right. And they, and there's lots of sweating during this standoff about, there's like a button that will stop the nukes. And it says like, is that the one that says safe on it? Yes. I can't remember. Yeah. Yes. It'll stop the nukes. And there's a big like struggle bus of a fight to push the buttons don't don't push the button and they managed to 
be too late. The counter is like, well, we're screwed. We're going to crash. But they collide, quote unquote, and the other the big planet just disappears and they get a couple little fires in the office. Nothing happens. Yep. Nothing happens. And the whole button thing, I was kind of in the back of my mind thinking of Brennan Stimpy. You know, the, right. the, the shiny red button. How long will it take before they push the button? Yeah. And we've talked in some episodes and what I'm seeing for, are they trying to sort of, with Koenig, are they trying to show a man that's, learning to have faith or finding a higher power that maybe didn't believe before. This isn't, this isn't his first bout with talking about, no, you think God in a desperate situation, he tends to maybe open his mind to faith or something. Yeah. He seems like skeptical. I know in some of the other episodes when they encounter godlike beings or whatever, especially with some of the stuff that goes on, you'd think he'd be more, a little more, receptive to the weirdness of the universe after some mm-hmm. of the things he's seen, but I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's the overarching uh, thing. Yeah. And I was wondering, I'm like, man, um, this could have gone both ways and still worked. They could have, they could have had them actually nuke it and everything was radiation sickness or something weird, mm-hmm. uh, or the nukes were required to make it happen anyway, or something like that. There's a lot of different ways it could have played out and still had the same or kind of message or something, but um they want the probably the least expensive way of just having the planet disappear. <laughs> yeah. It just disappears. And the end. I actually I actually really dug this episode quite a bit. It kinda had the I like the visuals a lot, some of the philosophical yeah. conversations. Um a lot of Koenig um with that woman. Really chewing oh and him chewing the scenery later trying to get everybody not to nuke, you know? Yeah. Really going overboard, really going for it. Uh, I, I mean, appreciate that. Part of the thing we've had with him, like as a captain, he's a bit too restrained, or he kind of, as an actor, he becomes um, part of the part of the paint. I don't know how to say it, but like he becomes part of the cast rather than leading the cast. Like he's, right. he's a very good ensemble player, but it's not as a captain. He needs to like step in front of people at sometimes or really command the screen. This is the first one where I felt like he was really a dominant force. Even yeah. if he was against his own crew, it really felt like he was there as that captain. This is one of those times. Yeah. I really felt like he w- kind of went for it with the acting a little more this yeah. time too. Uh, Maybe more he's than just he has in some of the other episodes. Maybe he's just getting more comfortable in the character. But yeah, it fills there, and there's a nice little drama between the crew, giving them something to do with each other. Because we don't get in this show, we don't get a lot of like heavily populated aliens. Everything comes to the moon rather than them going and exploring. Right. So it's definitely definitely interesting. It's Star Trek, but more but not deep, deep, <laughs> deep spa- yeah deep space nine ish more with Voyagers. Like it's it's Voyager and Deep Space Nine. To get like the mission is overall like oh, oh we're lost in a weird universe we're Voyager but the way we tell the story we hang out here in the colony. It's almost like Star Trek. Like Star Trek is very sixties in its right. outlook. Like mm-hmm. the Klingons are obviously you know the Soviets or whatever, and blah blah blah. I really think Space Nineteen Ninety Nine is really telling of the seventies. You know what yeah. I mean? They don't really go out. Um, they aren't very militaristic in a lot of these episodes. They don't go out you know guns blazing in a lot of instances. True. The, a lot of the episodes have a more of a philosophical bent to them, mm-hmm. a more of a, a mystic uh, side to them than, than, say, like something from the 60s would. It's very reflective of the time period it came out. 
I mean, uh, beyond, you know, just the production design, the, you know, the costumes and everything else, the very outlook of the show is really informed by the time it came out. Very true. And well, that'll do it for the Old Space Show Marathon. We did it. Four episodes over this holiday weekend. I hope you enjoyed the Turkey Day Marathon here. And Jim, thanks for taking part and holding strong as we went through this Thank you for having me. All right. And you want to plug everything you're at so people can... Every week you can listen to me on the TaylorNetworkPodcast.com on Nothing's On. Uh, myself, comedian Donnie Salvo, and Daryl Taylor himself. Every week we cover the the week's worth of entertainment, television, movie news, and you know, do it in our own knuckleheaded, shenanigan-filled way. Uh, also, we've just launched a new podcast on the TaylorNetworkPodcast.com, the Players Club, which I'm hosting, uh, all about video games. And that's going to be... Uh, Myself, Gil Cologne, Jason Hendricks, and various guests and fun people coming by to talk about different video games they love and enjoy to play. And on HHWLOD.com, the Walking Dead TV podcasting, uh, as the show returns for its final season. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Written work at WhySoBlue.com. The Brandon Peters Show returns tomorrow for an all-new episode and week of programming. But until then... Alpha out. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Osman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. 